What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court for today. I am your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my guy, Jeff Iafrady. Jeff, good to see you, my guy. Good to see you, fellas. I'm excited. We got we got Mike Curtis on it, and I was just poking some fun at him because last time we had him on, it was pretty pretty bare dry on the walls there. And now we got you on at a different part of the season. It's homie. Mike's you know knee-deep in the Pistons season, so I'm excited to talk to him today. Yeah, absolutely, man. I am too. Also joining us, my guy, Troy Sergi. Troy, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Sean. Looking forward to hearing uh, Mike's answers, especially the one I'm most looking forward to is hearing uh, the last three words to describe uh, the Pistons' last 20 games of the season. So, God, you guys uh, keep stealing my thunder. Holy cow. Also joining us. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Also joining us is one of my favorite writers on the detroit beat he works at the detroit news taking over for the legend rod beard getting ready to finish up his first season as a beat writer of the detroit pistons my guy mike Curtis. mike thanks so much for being here man you're looking fly too man i I like the zip up you got the is that is that a turtleneck is that what you got going on i like it yeah kind of turtleneck you can like zip it down yeah you know it's Turn versatile. Up, That's what that is, Mike. Just like yeah, you. whatever you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is completely my off day swag right now. <laughs> well, dude, if if you keep putting off day swag like that, you're gonna be on league fits real soon. I'm telling you, it's not gonna be long. But Mike, it's it's so good to see you, man. Because last time last time I saw you, I believe was at the Golden State Warriors home game. When they were facing a uh, a Golden State Warriors, James Wiseman and Steph Curry and the rest of those guys, Cade Cunningham was healthy and was playing at the time. It's crazy to think of all the different things that have happened. Like like I said to you before the pod, like not only just like personally, but also just you know everything in the league. Like the entire landscape of the NBA has changed since we last talked, Mike. Like yeah. that's crazy. Nothing is the same. Nothing was ever the same since that <laughs> since that moment. Yeah, um, I think a couple games after that, that's when K got hurt. Um, yeah, well, he he had been hurt, but that's yeah. when they officially kind of shut him down after that Boston game. And yeah, it's been a completely different season ever since. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, let I just want to dive right into it because we have a lot to talk about. But first, before we do, Mike, real quick. Uh, I, I did mention you work at, the, at you work at the Detroit News. Just tell everyone where people can find your work and where people can follow you and and just find everything that you're up to. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Everyone can find my work at the Detroit News, um, DetroitNews.com. Um, we print a paper daily, so you can find it in the newspaper if you still read newspapers. Um, so you can also find me on Twitter at Mike A Curtis Two. Um, there it is, right there. <laughs> Hey, I got you, Mike. Yeah, be sure you go give him a follow. Has a lot of great insights and updates on the Pistons and also covers them from a very, you know, unique point of view. Mike's an insanely intelligent guy, very hard worker, and seriously, one of my one of my favorite people in in the in the writing space. Seriously, just a genuine good dude. And uh, Mike, I, 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 I'm serious, man. You're a great guy. And Mike, I do want to start because, you know, we did talk about how this is your first season on the beat. And I I can't think of a more unique season to have as your first one on the beat. So I, 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 I have to ask you, and I have to start with Troy alluded to it a second ago, describe this piston season from your perspective in three words. I, and I know that's hard. Cause like I, at first I was like in, in one sentence, but I'm like that that's too easy. I feel like I feel like you could just say piston season went to crap. And then we could just say, like, yeah, that's it. But if you had to describe it in three words, what would you say? Yeah. So I'm gonna go three different, of course, three different words, but three different themes with my words. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is gonna be lottery, just simply because there's been a lot of losses. Um, they currently have the second worst record in the NBA right now. Um and they're headed towards another lottery pick. So that's, that's surface level. Um, The second word is going to be ouch because there have been nothing but injuries since the beginning of the season. Uh, Marvin Bagley sprained right MCL and and bone bruise in his right knee. 
and he had a fractured hand to start um, throughout January and most of February. He just came back um, probably three games ago now. So there's been a ton of injuries. Jalen Dern is dealing with one right now. Isaiah Stewart is banged up. Um, Kay Cunningham, of course, had the season-ending surgery for his left shin, yep. um, stress fracture. Um, Jay Nivey was out with a knee injury probably in November. So Livers has been in and out of the lineup. You can't name one player. Bogey is dealing with Achilles soreness, um, or at least he was. Um, so ouch is definitely another word because of, there have been so many injuries that have caused like guys to be in and out of the lineup impactful ones too like always yeah. at the worst time yeah Dwayne Casey hasn't gotten a chance to get solid rotation so he's constantly like shuffling guys in and out we've seen Hami play to five this year <laughs> um so ouch is number two number three is promise because when you take all the talent that you have um of course they traded away Sadiq uh, fan favorite to the Warriors, who then traded him to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, but in return, you got James Wiseman. He's been playing pretty well since he got here. Um, so there's a lot of promise. When you add a healthy K Cunningham to that group, I think about K Cunningham averaging, um, what was it, 19, 5 and 5, 19, 6 and 6 um, on a sore left shin. What, yeah. what, do you, what do you think that would be if he wasn't hurt? So um, I think there's a lot of promise with this team, especially when you take in the fact that Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran got a full season under their belts where their kind of progress and development was expedited. Um, so I think there's a lot of promise for this group. You, And then you have cap space to spend in the summer. And like I said, with that lottery pick, who knows where his team can be next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you really look at it, I know people are – you know, all focused on Victor Wembanyama in this draft lottery, but the reality is, if you if you look at the top two prospects in this draft, Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama, the Pistons are currently uh, currently have twenty seven and a half percent chance to get one of those two players. Those are pretty those are pretty darn good odds, and you throw that alongside a guy like Cade, you bring up you know what he was able to do. I in his in his five game stretch where he was where he was probably at his healthiest, but also where you know he had to face his toughest competition because they played the Hawks twice, Golden State at home, and then at Milwaukee twice. Yeah. This guy averaged 24 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, shooting 48% from field, only 25% from three. He didn't even have his three-point shot going this year, Mike, and he was already averaging 24, 8, and 8. Like... You, you talk about a, a healthy Cade Cunningham, a guy who, you know, can come in 100%. Again, this guy, like Cade said he's been dealing with shin issues since high school. He, that means he was the consensus number one pick on a bad wheel. Imagine what that guy can do healthy. That's what I always go to. Um, I, I, uh, there was another, there, there was a really good article by, um, by another writer in the space we we won't name them because to because when we have mike they're evil to all they're competitors so they're evil to us just kidding just kidding but um so in all seriousness james wrote this really good piece about what Cade cunningham's been doing throughout this season and his time injured you know spending a lot of time you know like you know really being mentally involved and you know doing a lot of things from the bench just from your perspective even what have you noticed about you know Cade cunningham's season on the sidelines and from everything you can tell what's your confidence level that he can come back and play at a high level next year yeah from everything i've seen from k since he returned um in around the team he's still working out um he's still getting his individual work in after everyone's done practicing we see him like on the floor shooting like and still shots he's sitting down in a chair shooting um not a lot of movement but the fact that he still has that presence there, he's highly engaged when they're at the games. Like he's on the bench cheering. He's talking to refs um, when he feels that a call should have went Detroit's way. Um, so he's still actively involved as as the key guy on his team. And you, you can just tell that that's the leadership aspect um, that that's a part of him. And you, it's weird because you don't get a lot of that when you have young guys in that position. Like, cause a lot of times I was even talking to Marvin Bagley about this a couple of days ago. 
um, some, some guys tend to kind of shy away from the team. And since they can't play, they're not around as much. And, and it depends on what type of injury you have. Maybe it's best that you are not like moving around and such. But the fact that K it is still around, I think it goes a long way. And, it, and it's a big reason why they're kind of playing with the fire that they have on most nights. I know they <laughs> tend to get in, get into double digit holes, but they're usually able to bounce back from them and make it competitive. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm glad you bring that up. Um, I'll, I'll let these guys get a question in a second, but that, that leans in really well to one of the questions I had for you because we talk all the time about, you know, like I know people are, especially fans, hyper fixate on the wins and losses, and rightfully so, right? Like people want to see their team win. But when when you look at the other teams that are that are with Detroit in the bottom of the pack, I think it's important to have some context about what these situations are like. Right. So, you know, I know Mike, you have to, you know, be around the Pistons all the time and, you know, like, you know, your, your, your day to days, you know, reporting on them specifically, I get a little more freedom to look league wide and, and, you know, hyper fixate on other situations too. And I've just been really focused on and, and really invested on what the Houston Rockets have been doing ever since they've acquired Jalen Green because ever since, you know, the Pistons were linked in one and two, they were always going to be linked together. Right. And Mike, I'm not sure if you've heard, but the consensus, not only from reporters, from from Rockets fans, from everything, is that it's a circus, <laughs> like an absolute mess. I even went earlier today, and I wish I could show some of this film on like uh, on screen. I went and watched a little bit of their game last night against the against the the Grizzlies, just to like like unbiased. Is it really as bad as I think? And there was a play literally within the first two minutes that made me want to throw my chair out my window. I, I was like so mad at like the lack of effort they bring on the defensive end and, and just the overall organization. Like, like we know it's just not a great scene right now, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look at the Pistons lo- like losses and they think, man, it's just a circus in there. Mike, as someone that's around the team on a regular basis. Would you describe the locker room atmosphere or the culture of the team as a circus? And my second question to that, and this is kind of more so showing my bias a little bit here. What impact does Dwayne Casey bring to this organization on a day-to-day basis that people don't realize? Because I think he's a little bit more important to these guys' success than people tend to give them credit for. Okay, your first question was a circus in terms of which locker room because like, I- like for the Pistons for the Pistons because like comparing to the Rockets like they compare that as like a circus like would you say you can say the same about the Pistons locker room like is there organization like is there ever like outbursts like you know what would you describe as like the overall culture of the team okay got you I understand though so for one of the worst teams in the league this locker room is actually more upbeat than you would think um guys are in there joking guys are in there talking, laughing, just having conversations. You know, they just added James Wiseman and RJ Hampton. They're getting to know each other. Um, it was funny last night, they were talking about food and just like what type of food. We're, I think we we're talking about pork or something, whether somebody eats pork or not. And they were asking like some of the new guys. So like those type of get to know you type questions. Um, and it's not, it's a, upbeat and it's pretty cheerful and joyful. Not that they enjoy losing, but I think it's because they understand the bigger picture and that they're going to be better in the long run in terms of um, just when they get everyone back, whether or not who, whoever comes in free agency, like it's they have a better outlook than most of those other teams you mentioned, like Houston. We don't know what their future is going to look like. We've seen the reports that James Harden could come back and <laughs> for that, for him returning to a young team like that, I'm not sure how that will fit. Um, Charlotte's dealing with its own situation. Of course, they're going to get another lottery pick, but you still got the Miles Bridges thing going on. You just yeah. it, there's a lot of uncertainty with both of those franchises. Um, San Antonio is another team that's trending towards the bottom, so we don't know how long Pop is going to coach. So right. I think Detroit's future among those four teams is the brightest just because you have the franchise player in K, you got vets and Bogey and Burks. Um, you got two 
and you're about to have three lottery picks in Jay Nivey, Jalen Duran, and whoever they draft um, this season or th- this summer. So I think it's pretty it's pretty upbeat. Of course, last night was a tough one because of how it ended. Um, yeah. As and- a rec- just to clarify for the listeners, because I'm not sure when this will come out. As a recording, this is the night after the Bulls game when Jay Nivey accidentally called the timeout when they didn't have one. Sorry, Mike. I just wanted to add that. Nah, no problem. You're doing your thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty upbeat for the most part. Um, in regards to Dwayne Casey and his impact on the team, I think they're from what I've seen, I think they're really receptive to Dwayne. Um, when I just watch and observe during games and they have interactions, like he'll come pull a guy to the side and he'll talk to him, and you see guys nodding and engaging and interacting. Um, you'll see them laughing on some on some plays, especially earlier in the game. Um, but that's that's completely different from what you see in a lot of other places. You know when a guy isn't engaged. You know when a guy isn't – he doesn't want to hear what the coach is saying. I don't get that sense from um, the Pistons, and I think that's just because, like, Troy and Dwayne, they always talk about this, just the quality character of the guys that they get. Um, so no one's being disrespectful. No one is, like, shutting him out or tuning him out. Um, it's just, it's, uh, it's just they, they've been in an unfortunate situation to have so many guys in and out the lineup. So, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much where I stand with the whole Dwayne Casey situation. Yeah, and, and, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't even think of a outburst on the bench or an argument between a player and coaches. Like, the only thing I can think of that's happened in this Troy Weaver, like, regime that's anything close to that is actually last season before, you know, before you were on the beat, there was a game against Cleveland where uh, at Cleveland where Hamadou Diallo and Dwayne Casey had a little bit of, of a uh, argument on the bench, but it was actually something that was formative for Hamadou's development because he actually came out and was better on the defensive end after that. Like if anything, whenever it's happened from our view, it's only been a positive thing. Like, have you even seen any of those types of outbursts from your perspective? Not at all. Not once this season. Like, like guys, like I, like I need you to understand, like, like listeners at home, like, like how crazy, like remarkable that is, because like it's so common for young guys to like, you know, start paying less attention or, or being less bought in. Like a lot of those things that you talk about, like the fact that like these guys are upbeat. Like it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, like you said, like they understand the bigger picture, but they're bought into the bigger picture. Like they believe in the bigger picture. Yeah. And, and of course, you got those losses like what was it, the 14 point collapse against the Clippers where you just have those really tough losses and guys aren't just talking. Guys aren't in the best mood. But that's just because they the emotions of just losing the game. Right. Like I don't think those feelings linger uh, from day to day. And the fact that they're able to kind of bounce back from moments like that, I think is pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, what you got? So, Mike, I wanted to ask, because we know this is a crucial summer, this summer, for the Pistons. With the money they have available, Troy's going to have a top draft pick. Uh, but I want your perspective on it. Number one, the significance of this summer and and what kind of things you kind of foreshadow Troy doing, as in how aggressive he'll be in free agency. Because I think people look at this roster, and, and we know it's not a complete roster, but people want to bring so many guys back next year. But you know, you're going to have money to spend. I mean, guys, guys positions right now aren't safe. Some players. So in your perspective, how aggressive do you think Troy will be and how crucial is this summer, the draft and free agency for the Pistons to, to, to take that next step next season? Yeah, I actually think this might be the summer where we see Troy be the most aggressive, especially since um, next season is, is the year, right? This is the year that they want to make the leap. Um, So that I'm pretty sure they don't want to be in the lottery again next year. Um, so I've like, heard it's the worst high school class in 20 years, Mike. I don't want to be in the lottery next year. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, you get Bronny James here, you get all that attention, and oh, I'm just, I'm just that's the big fish, though. <laughs> but but, but do, you think, do you think that in terms of the number of players, you think that for agency he'll be shopping, is, is what you're saying? It won't be like one or two guys. Like you could see him maybe grabbing a couple guys to fill some positions. Yeah, yeah, especially right. veteran, veteran players. I think gotcha. the need right now, you have a bunch of bigs, which I know we're going to talk about. 
Um, you have your guards in Cade, Ivy, um, Killian, um, RJ Hampton is on a rest of the season deal. Corey Joseph's contract expires this season. So there's going to be a decision with that. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. You're, 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 I think where they need to focus, um, an area they need to focus on the most is that wing position. Mm-hmm. Of course, by trading Sadiq, um, that was strategic because you kind of get the same um, production of what you get from Sadiq from Bogey. Yeah. Um, what I think they need right now, of course, is a two-way wing, someone who can get their own shot, someone who can go defend the other team's best perimeter player. Um, some someone like that, and if they don't get it in free agency, I definitely think they'll look for that in the draft. <laughs> Sounds like Brandon Miller. <clears throat> Sounds like Jeremy Grant. <laughs> Mike, um, my next question uh, to you is going to be: So, a lot of Pistons fans, including the three of us, at first were pretty uh, upset about just getting James Wiseman in return for Sadiq Bay. But uh, as we've seen, okay, yeah, upset. I would say hesitant, but upset. Oh, you. The three of us. Yeah, me, <laughs> Jeff, and Sean. Um, but as we've seen kind of the potential of James Wiseman, we all three of us have kind of changed our mind on him. And I, I guess moving forward. Come around, I would say. Come around, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be nice to us, Troy. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're not the center of this question. I know. Uh, I know. What I'm getting at, Mike, is um, what do you think the role next season is going to be for James Wiseman? And what have you seen personally that uh, makes you excited about James Wiseman on our roster? Yeah, I think we're seeing a glimpse of what he could become, um, especially if he starts to be – if this is going to be a consistent night-in and night-out type of thing where you can rely on him to get you buckets in the post, you can rely on him to be formidable on the defensive end. Um, I think Detroit is actually fourth in defensive net rating – I'm sorry, defensive rating since the All-Star break. Um, double check me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're pretty up in tor- in terms of the top five in the league. Yeah, so, I think I saw I thought I saw earlier that before the all-star break, we were our defensive net rating was 30th. I think I think it's 13th since the break. It's it's up significantly, regardless. Right, right. And so, when that's been without Jalen Duran since the break, too. Like he hasn't been available. Yeah. When you add a guy that's seven feet with that type of length span, that <laughs> not only just impact um, shots, like just blocking them, but all he has to do is put his arms up and he can um, affect the trajectory of anyone's shot, especially if, if guys don't want to take it in <laughs> to the hole on the seven foot center, like you're, you're, you're going to get more three pointers and yeah. corners means there's an opportunity for more misses. So we've seen like a couple of games, like go below 100 like even after all-star break. And you don't see that in today's NBA, especially when we just had the second highest scoring game in the history of the league um, not too long ago. Yeah. So, um, for Detroit, th- th- that's what they wanted to do this season, hang their hat on the defensive end. And I think Wiseman helps helps with that. Um, and from what I've seen, like just personally, I've seen him try to be aggressive, of course, in the post. I've seen him be aggressive on the offensive boards, uh, which is – something that Jalen Duran is also really good at. Um, but he's also trying to sh- – his hardest to stretch the floor. Yep. His first shot as a member of the Pistons was a, a three-pointer from the corner um, that he missed, but he made his first three-pointer um, in the last game. I think it was against Orlando – Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. Um, and then he made a, a mid-range from the top of the key. So he's trying to show you that he has that perimeter game. He needs to be a little bit more consistent with that. But from what I've seen these first five games, he's he's been playing pretty well. Yeah, for sure. And Mike, it's crazy. Like we, you know, I, I think, you know, the in, the initial reaction, you know, I think myself included, you you hear James Wiseman, you immediately go, bust. Like the Warriors are giving up on him. Clearly he's bad. But like one of the things that that I tend to do, like when when like whenever trades happen, is like I, I like to pay attention to like what what the fan base thinks of like things of a player and all I saw that day when from the Warriors perspective when they made that trade was how much Warriors fans still believe and love James Wiseman how much they were how bummed they were to see him go but how excited they were for him to have a new opportunity like like everything I heard Mike from from like from the point he was traded on 
is how much the Warriors loved Wiseman as a person, how much they loved his work ethic. Like they like they they said like he he didn't do anything wrong. It was more so the position they were in. But also like you can just like the sense I've gotten from ever since he's gotten in, Mike, is that he's hungry and, and wanting to prove something. But at the same time, I mean, he's only he's played less career minutes than than Jalen Durant so far. When you think about how little this guy's been able to touch the court, like in just his limited touches, like the guy runs in the open court like a freaking gazelle. It's insane. So I just I just see a lot of potential there for sure. Uh, but speaking of Mike, that front court with James Wiseman coming in, let's get let's just get the elephant right out of the room. Four of our current 15 players, I would say, are in the front court, which if you think about it, it's it's really not too ridiculous between the power forward and center position, but yeah. Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman have very similar games, especially offensively. Jalen Duran is still a big that, you know, we I, I would think they still very much believe in because of the you know potential he showed. And then of course there's Isaiah Stewart, which, you know, which from from my perspective, I don't see going anywhere I mean anytime soon just from how Troy Weaver views him what do you think like what would you say to fans that that would that would see like see a potential log jam building in the front court and what do you what do you see like what sort of decisions do you see on their plate in the coming some like in like throughout the summer and perhaps like even like throughout like next year as well yeah, I think this situation is good for Detroit just because you have four young bigs who all want to get better. Um, you got the rookie in Dern. He's already shown us what he could do as, as far as um, when he had that breakout game against San Antonio. And after that, those are when he started to get those ankle injuries, unfortunately. Um, but I don't think he has anything left to prove this season. So they could honestly, if they wanted to, I haven't heard anything. Um, they could shut them down for the rest of the season if they wanted to, just because we know what Duran can bring to the table. Um, Isaiah Stewart, I think we he's had a bit of a up and down year, especially just with the three point shot. But he's also shown that he's not afraid of going through a slump and shooting his way out of it. I think that was the biggest part of it, just because a lot of times when you see guys shoot. They shoot until they miss, and then when they start to miss, it kind of it kind of affects their mental. Yeah. I don't think yep. Stewart let it affect his mental at all. He just kept trusting his shot, and um, he eventually broke out of it. So I think as long as he's able to just, like, stay consistent, maybe hover around that 34 35% from three, then he'll be a good asset for this team. Um, and then you mentioned Wiseman and Bagley. They, like you said, they kind of have similar skill sets, but I think it's going to come down to who rises to the top. It's like when you have a group of four good big guys, you got to see who's going to uh, prevail as the best one. And the one that that's kind of, I guess, the, the lower tier, then you make a decision about and you try to get better in other areas of your team. Right. I think I think at this point Detroit just wants to see who's going to be their top maybe three best big man and the the fourth the fourth guy is going to be the high man out. Right. And that there that very well could could be impacted by a 7 foot 5 elephant in the room that is looming in June, you know. I I you know, I I don't know. Some some Victor Wembanyama guy they keep bringing up. I I don't know if you'll have much of an impact year one. I'm not quite sure. But what you're saying is, is that the, the Pistons are definitely not afraid of competition. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fair. Jeff, you got anything else for Mike? Yeah, well, speaking of confidence, uh, I, I wanted to bring up Killian Hayes because I, I want your thoughts on it, too, because it's it's speaking of, you know, ups and downs. Killian Hayes is probably at the forefront of that conversation. You, you look at his start to the season and that stretch of games, it was historically bad, uh, especially from three he had more turnovers and, and more fouls. Those went up. You had, I think at one point he had more turnovers and assists. And then you saw at the middle of the season, the confidence was there. Uh, Killian started playing well. That's when Dwayne, you know, the whole thing came out about Dwayne trusting him and the leashes a lot longer here in Detroit. And he started playing well. He responded to it. But recently, and I know he didn't play that bad the other night, but just in general and totality over the last couple of weeks, he's been struggling again. And, and I want your thoughts. Well, number one, 
on just Killian Hayes, maybe how the organization, maybe how Dwayne, how they feel about him right now and, and him going through the, his struggles he's going through. But number two, how much pressure is on Killian this season um, that in the little season that's left to show something because I, I the future of Killian to me, I, I think we can all agree. We like the skill set of Killian, but at the end of the day, this is the NBA and you brought up competition. Like if, if you're not playing well and you're trying to win games, things are going to happen. Like guys are going to take your minutes. This is how the NBA, it's how all sports leagues work, but in your opinion with Killian, just your thoughts on, you know, his season so far and maybe what his future holds uh, in Detroit. And really quickly to interject too, Mike, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Dwayne Casey say in a recent interview that Killian needs to find his joy for the game again? Yeah, I was I was actually going to bring that up. He definitely said that. Um, that scares me a little bit, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> it's <definitely laughs> just, yeah, yeah, I like that. All right, it's it's a concerning statement, but when you think about it. Um, are you really having fun when you're not performing to the level that you want to? True. Um, I right. think about it. I can even throw myself out there when I'm not being as good of a reporter as I think I am or have the potential to be. I'm not having a good day at the office. I'm yeah, not. Of course. Joy. So um, I can definitely relate kind of with that, with that, with that comment. But as far as Killian as a whole, like I think, it's been a roller coaster season for him. We've seen Killian his absolute best, and we've also seen Killian at maybe um, <laughs> maybe his worst. I don't like saying worst, but um, I think we, we've seen it. Yeah, we've seen it's the like, peaks and valleys for sure. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, the ebbs and flows of the season. Um, I think where it all turned was during the Paris trip, or a little bit before the Paris trip. But I know he definitely hurt his shoulder in the Paris trip. Um, he didn't perform to the level that we had grew accustomed to. He was playing pretty much. He 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 could have been like a capable starter on some other teams. And I think that was the level he, he was getting to um, playing the best basketball of his, his career. But um, since then, I think he definitely needs to find his confidence back. I'm not sure if he's still dealing with some type of lingering issue um, that we, we just aren't aware of. But I think as long as he – continues to just go out there and prove that he can at least be a backup then he'll he'll he'll, it'll be a safe it'll be a safe I guess space for him because that's all Detroit needs him to be once K comes back next year he's gonna um, relegate back to coming in with the second unit anyway as long as he can play with the confidence that he exuded in the best parts of this season that is exactly what Detroit needs out of him going forward yeah, and in, especially with the defensive, with with the effort he exudes on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like you got to think, as long as he, as long as he's at the very least bringing that at a high quality level, then that can be something that's very good for Detroit. But I brought this up last pod, and Mike, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in the month of February, Killian averaged seven points, uh, seven point seven points, six point four assists, shooting twenty eight percent from the field and twenty two percent from three. So. Those were those were Killian's averages over the month of, of, of February. At the very least, he's still been aggressive, and he he's, it looks like he's still been trying to be a part of the offense. But there's it definitely does seem to be a mental thing from time to time. But Troy, what you got? Yeah, yeah. So Mike, uh, something that we were all looking forward to uh, this season was to see the duo of Ivy and and Cade Cunningham together, and we saw a little bit uh, for the first couple games of the season, but. Of course, when Cade went down, we couldn't see that to the full degree. What do you expect next year with those two? Because, you know, I think uh, the role for Ivy was different this year. That wasn't really expected because, you know, of of Cunningham's injury. So with Ivy, you know, being a score first guard um, and really Cade being able to do it all on the court, um, how would you see them, at least for the the summertime, preparing to to be uh, a duo tandem? And what do you expect out of the two when the season starts uh, this upcoming fall? Yeah, that's a real good question. Um, I don't think we expected to see Jay Ivey emerge as the lead guard this season. So I think we expected Kay Cunningham to kind of take that jump into one of the best players in the league, maybe even scratch the surface of becoming an all-star. Um, so when we didn't see that, of course, the keys were left to Killian and Jaden. I think Jaden, of course, took those over but um 
next season, I, I kind of expect them to start off slow just because they haven't played with each other to the magnitude that they were expected to. So Jay Nivey is now used to playing a certain type of way without Kay Cunningham. Kay Cunningham was getting used to playing with um, Jay. They're not the same players that, that that, that they were at the start of the season. So I think they're, they're going to have to like um, use the summer to get acclimated to playing with each other, knowing where each other likes to be on the floor, um, knowing where, um, Jaden likes to shoot the ball from. We, I, we see him a lot. He, he likes to shoot on those wings. And if he's driving the ball, he likes to pass in certain situations. I won't reveal what that is, but if you see, if you watch the game, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that they just, they just need to find, um, just a little bit of rhythm, a little bit of chemistry, um, in playing with one another. But I think just the fact that Cade is so unselfish that it'll be able to work together. It'll be able to work. Yeah, I I think it'll be far more of an adjustment for Cade than it or far no I'm sorry far more of an adjustment for Ivy than will be for Cade just because sure. Cade is such a versatile player with his ability to play both on and off ball. But you know with Ivy I think you know like you said having more of those lead guard responsibilities, getting used to being that playmaker and having the ball in your hands is definitely you know it's it's definitely an adjustment that's for sure. Um. Speaking of really exciting, promising guard prospects, I mentioned there's a guy that's coming up in this draft because, Mike, there's a very real possibility that the Pistons could land at the second overall pick spot. And if they if they are indeed there, they're let's be honest, they're faced with a very awkward predicament because on one hand, you could try to trade that. You could try to trade that pick, try to maybe go down. You know, see if you could get potential capital in return. You could perhaps, you know, draft another guy there. I know Jeff brought up brought up his name, Brandon Miller. We'll see. You know, I, I'm personally waiting to see what happens in all the legal stuff. It sounds like he's in the clear, but I'm just waiting to hear. What is your sense if the Pistons were faced with the option of drafting Scoot Henderson? What is your sense of of Troy Weaver's hesitation of 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 drafting? A guy like that do you think do you think he would continue to go down the down the road of drafting the best player possible and, and figuring out the rest later do you think there would be some real do you think there would be some real hesitancy to do that with Jaden Ivey and Kate on the roster what are your thoughts yeah I think um it's it's a consideration so he's gonna think about that number two pick very closely and because it's not Victor which I think all 30 GMs in the NBA would take Victor today if they had an opportunity to. Without even blinking. Without even blinking. So when you get to number two, now there's a conversation that needs to be had about best overall fit or best player available. Um, If I'm the GM, if I have my GM hat on, um, I go with best player available. You figure out the rest. Yep. Um, Because you can always go by what you – you can always go by fit and what you need um, in the offseason with free agents. You can trade um, pretty much whoever doesn't rise to that crop, like I was saying with the bigs. Yeah. Um, so I think like even if he does draft um, Scoot Henderson, there's going to be a guard that's likely going to be out of the mix. Right. Um, so I, I, I think I think he he takes a chance and goes with that guard. Um, and whether you play Cade, Ivy, and um, Cade, Ivy, and Scoot all together, or you bring one of them off the bench, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. Okay. Like having... okay, OKC did it with Harden. He came off the bench. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Harden turned into a. We know what he is. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah, and and especially too for a team that's been clamoring for high level guard prospects right. or just let alone high level prospects in general, have not one, not two, but potentially three guards that you're in love with. Yeah, that, that you could see like where they could potentially go. Yeah, I mean, and hey, in fairness, the um, uh, Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver talked about how intrigued they were with the three guard lineup of Killian, Cade, and and Ivy. Maybe they're intrigued with a new three guard lineup. Who knows? I'm just, I'm just saying, but also there is the, you know, there is like the, uh, a, a lot of looming decisions and, and things coming up 
Mike, I want to get your sense real quick, you know, before we get back into Pistons stuff, NBA wide. I just want to know what your what, what your reaction was when you saw Kevin Durant has been traded to the Phoenix Suns and a local guy, Matt Ishbia, who was just down the road at UWM, you know, like a week before, you know, before officially being the owner. And then within 48 hours makes the biggest trade in NBA history. (laughs) I mean, Mike, what was your, what, like, I, what, when you saw that hit your phone, what, what were your thoughts? Um, of course it was really late at night. So I was in Cleveland. Yeah. I was in Cleveland. Um, when I found out and it was the trade deadline. So you're naturally as a beat writer, you're on pins and needles because you don't know what's going to happen. And I kid you not my first reaction it was after the game, of course. The Pistons had had lost to to the Cavs very, very badly, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, my first reaction was to get back to Detroit. So it was in the middle of the night. <laughs> I drove back to Detroit just so I could make it back first thing in the morning so I can be there and present for um, the final day of the trade, trade deadline, um, which was crazy, by the way. We all know what happened. Um, yeah. Okay, that that leads into a really good thing because I because I was wondering where to lead the conversation next. That is a great perspective. I didn't even think about that. Mike, you were there <laughs> in the building. Sadiq was practicing, if I remember correctly. And then he finds out he's getting traded. From yeah. your perspective, like like this is probably correct me if I'm wrong. Was this the first like trade that you saw happen go down in real time? Like yep. as as a beat writer, absolutely, and, oh. and I'm pretty sure everyone remembers. Um, I put out a tweet that said it was very unlikely that he wouldn't get moved. Um, yeah, that was based off information that I got from the source. Um, the source has been right every time this season. Um, and the thing about the trade deadline that I want a lot of people to kind of wrap their heads around is that nothing is final, nothing is permanent. And things can change at the drop of a dime. Yep. We saw Josh Hart get ready to play a game and then get told that he's about to be traded. Yeah. So at that moment, it may have been very unlikely that the deal was going to go down. But of course, an hour later, um, right before the trip, right before Woj officially reported it, that, that that's what happened. So um, that was a pretty interesting day <laughs> for me, for sure. Learned a lesson, but... Um, it, it was definitely weird to see Sadiq in the building getting shots up. Um, the aura, the energy at the PPC was just kind of, I don't want to say it was off, but it, it's one of those days, like, you know, the final day for NFL cuts in the preseason. Right. right. You, yeah. know, you know something's going to happen. So th- that that was the type of vibe that was, that was there that day. Well, especially, too, because they were kind of struggling around that point as well right like they kind of had those really difficult like defensive performances like right before the deadline so it was kind of this like there's kind of this this sense that they were going to make some form of change Mm -hmm. it was just hard to tell where right but jeff go ahead i'm sorry no i I just want to ask mike too on top of the city question how what was the environment like in terms of like weighing trading sadiq which a lot of players are very close to and getting wiseman uh, in the excitement of being able to play with Wiseman, how, what was the balance like? Like, was it more so the sadness for Sadiq, and then eventually it came around to Wiseman, or was it pretty much equal how they were feeling? Yeah, because when you think about it, um, he was part of that 2020 draft class with Killer, yeah. Isaiah Stewart, um, and then you got Jalen and Jaden that they've known Sadiq ever since they got to Detroit. So Sadiq was a fan favorite, fa- fan favorite in Detroit, a really good guy. Um, someone most of the players got along with. Um, this is my first season just like observing. So I think he got along with everyone. Um, so it, it was that, but then like they they understand at the end of the day it's a business too. And you gotta bring in Wiseman, you gotta make sure he's comfortable and acclimated. And Wiseman's first day, he said, I love all my teammates. I have a prior relationship with Isaiah Stewart. Um, I knew Kate a little bit too. So that the, 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 there's the welcoming aspect that you have to kind of just quickly grasp your head around. Right. And once you get to see, I think we, we saw in the last game, I think um, it was Charlotte. 
not last game, but in Charlotte game, Wise had his kind of breakout performance. We saw him on the bench uh, rapping along with like Stu, and they were just kind of like having a moment. And you, you you like to see that when you're new to a team, especially when you're kind of performing well. So I think it was, of course, sadness to see Sadiq go, but just embracing another young guy who has infinite potential. Um, just like Dwayne always says, these guys are all, all on the same level and they're all going to grow kind of at the same time. So I think it was a combination of both. Mike, I this this leads into another question I just thought of. <laughs> I know I brought up Dwayne Casey a little bit earlier. Yeah. If you had to give a percentage of what you think the odds are that he is the head coach come opening day next season, what do you think the percentage is? Hmm. Oh, you really got you really got to think about this one. That's a that's a big question. Well, yeah, because it's interesting. Because you could, on one hand, I could see Dwayne Casey wanting, you know, I could see him, you know, wanting to see, you know, take this team that's, you know, that he's been developing, and you know, now like that he's going to have everyone healthy and another young talent, like yet another young, you know, piece to work with. Like you would think from a coaching standpoint, he would be invigorated and thrilled to, you know, want to come back to that, you know, next year. On the other hand, I could totally see he's the second oldest coach in the league. You know, it's a similar thing with Pop. You know, you're not quite sure. You know, like like not every coach retires at the same age, right? It's a very yeah. relative thing. So, um, but at the same time, I know a lot of fans are calling for his head every day and twice on Sundays. It's all our comment section is. It's an original thought. But um, I'm just interested what your thoughts are, Mike. I'm going to do this, and I hate when people do it to me. <laughs> um I'm not going to give a percentage. It's totally okay. I will say that I think it's highly likely that he's there than highly likely that he's not. So it's way more likely he's there than yeah. than, than he's yeah. not. So right. over 50%. Maybe a 64 <laughs> is what we're getting. Maybe a 64. <laughs> uh, you, you guys and then immediately <laughs> asking him what his percentage is. Good job, <laughs> No, I actually, I, I like that answer. I, I feel like, and that, I, I, and it's funny because the difference between fans and guys like yourself, Rod, who kind of say the same things you said, uh, fans think they know more than you guys, and I, and I love that. It's the, it's one of the most funniest things ever. You're around the team. You see Troy and Dwayne's relationship. You see how Dwayne, you know, and, and they connect with the players. You see the relationship. And somehow someone on Twitter thinks, no, Mike, he should be fired. And here's my reasons, because I tuned into one, two Pistons game this year and I'm frustrated. So to hear you say that, it's not even like surprising to us because we've been trying to echo these same things. Like, yeah, could there be a change? Of course. But to say that it's guaranteed he's gone, like they, like, yeah, when you, you and Rod and guys that, that are respected, even James, are like, hold on a minute. Why are why is everybody immediately trying to take Dwayne's head off? Like he's if you fire Dwayne, everything else will just flourish. It's like he's the only issue. It's it's I, I can't understand it. Which which a big part of our job is just helping to echo what you guys say and report and put out there. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So I respect that, Mike. I do. No, no problem. Removing the coach isn't gonna fix your problems overnight. Amen. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah Mike. I, uh, oh, Go ahead, Sean. No, I was just gonna say. I, I was just gonna say. Sorry, sorry, Troy. Really quickly, I I actually heard um, Steve Clifford earlier today. Someone asked him about what his thoughts were on the evolution of the defensive game and how things have changed. And it was really like it was like it, it kind of leans like into like you know like what you just said there of like I think there's way less variety today in the sets that are run and the schemes that are run and the systems that are implemented than there used to be, right? Like there's certain teams where you can still look at like, you know, like the Warriors are very much still like a high you know, ball movement scheme. You know, the Miami Heat still do things a little bit differently. But for the most part, if you look at like all 30 teams, it's not like they're running drastically different concepts and things anymore. So like, I, I think a lot of people, I, do you, like, do you think it's fair to say in the, at least in the NBA world, people overestimate what coaches do just because we're so, like, especially I think like as like football fans, we're so conditioned to like, Coaches are so important. They they change everything. Like they're like how much football coaches really do. Like I don't think like I don't think people realize coaching's a little bit different for like sport to sport. Yeah, See, it's, it's yeah, yes. It's funny because James Wiseman, I think after his first game, he said they pretty much do similar things in Golden State that they do in Detroit, which is interesting. There's just different terminology. <laughs> 
And Dwayne always says it every day. Like the only adjustment is going to be the terminology. Um, Kevin Durant said it the other day when he was asked about his first game as, as with the Phoenix Suns, and he was asked about defensive coverages where he had to switch everything in um, Brooklyn, and now he's doing more pick and roll coverage in Phoenix. Like the only thing different is the terminology. So right. I, I think to echo your point, yeah, I think people over overanalyze what every coaching staff does, but it, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's funny because the other thing you said is that the only thing that changes is the terminology. So that's wrong. And that's, that's, and that's yeah. in the NFL too. Like that's, it's a very yeah. common thing. And it's funny because even Jaden Ivey the other night on Chris Webber's birthday, by the way, great way to show some tribute to my man, Chris Webb, uh, calling the timeout they didn't have, people will somehow find a reason to put that on Dwayne as if, you know, that mistake or, or the play he drew up. It's like, it, it gets so old at some point to to because again he's not absolved from criticism. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but to say that everything is Dwayne's fault, it's and, and we know this as sports fans, it's much easier to replace a coach than as a player. So that's going to be the obvious: fire this guy, fire that guy. But yeah, it, it's I can't wait to the off season, man, because I, I love my favorite thing about doing this is waiting for these things to unfold and then being able to react in the fall, and then we could be like, well, I tried telling you guys, but you just wouldn't listen. Yeah, and yeah. everything we were saying prior to this season went out the window as soon as K got hurt. Right. But nothing was valid <laughs> at all. No. Yeah, like every uh, – in like, well, it, it's funny because everything we did say came with the echoes of everything that happens this season is contingent on what <laughs> K Cunningham does. Like this right. team will go as far as C2 takes them, and when he's out after 12 games, well – that's about as far as you're gonna go. Sean, we said we, I, I said people were talking about the play-in. I'm like, are you, they and even with Cade to make the play-in, like how I shouldn't say how unrealistic, but how unlikely that was. I mean, I, I said this team would have 30 wins with Cade, and they're probably they're gonna pace to get 20-ish wins without him. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's not like this team is. I'm, I'm shocked by what I've been seeing with all the injuries you talked about, Mike. It's I don't know, man. Maybe I'm yeah, watching a different for, game. I, I which, don't know. By the way, for months, y'all told me Jalen Brunson was a fluke, that he didn't know how to play basketball, that he was going to be more money, and that it wasn't a good signing. But I'm not bitter. Anyway, well, sorry, Troy, go ahead. Yeah, that was one guy, by the way. Yeah, just kidding. Um, but, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Big on Brunson. No, I wasn't. Oh, you, you were I mean, not big at, on at the time, yeah. I was not. No. Yeah. like, yeah. I, And I, I think I had yeah. – points to that but he John was the biggest on Brunson yeah yes, anyway he was. Mike I oh, guess yeah, kind of we're, we're running near <laughs> the end here of, of our time Mike but I guess my last big question for you is what player on this current roster are you most intrigued about with their future in the NBA um, at, at least like who are you excited to see develop next season and even the season after that um, that's on this roster and hopefully that player is going to be a piston you know long term but uh, who is Mike most intrigued about Hmm. This might be obvious, I guess. Okay. But because it's my first season, because I haven't had an ample amount of time to see him play, especially up close, I'm going to say Cade. Um, and from what I saw, I was really intrigued. I know the first couple of games, even in preseason, um, something that stuck out to me was, of course, his 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 weight gain. And I noticed that he was trying to use that weight gain in the post, like when he was trying to post up Brunson and when he was trying to post up just smaller guards. Um, that That's not something you see a lot in a lot of young guys, especially guards. So that was very intriguing. Um, I think once he gets comfortable with that three-point shot, um, I think he has a chance to be lethal. But as far as just the mid-range, how he's able to kind of get to his spots, that, that that's that, right. that's really – like yeah, I think we're all there with you on that one. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Kay Cunningham. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you, 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 that's really, it's the answer, man. I mean that like, because as like, as special as a lot of the talent is on this roster, I mean, I personally think Kate has the potential to be a top 10 player in this league one day. And I, I don't know if I can say that about almost anyone else on this roster. I don't know if I could have said that about any piston in my lifetime up to this point. So, you know, yeah, it's, and also just from my personal experiences, like interacting with the family of, of, of like, in, like the Cunningham family, like the people I've interacted with, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a different family. man. It just is Mike. I'm curious, man. 
you've had to have had at least one weird travel story throughout this season. Is there, has there been anything like from like the traveling perspective, like anything weird that's happened? Like anybody you run like, into? Anybody you run into? May, and, 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 and like, if there's, if there's not, how about what's the best visiting city you've been to? And what's the worst visiting city? I love it. I love it. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm going to try to answer all three questions. I'm going to go look through the schedule. I, I'm sorry. I keep giving you loaded questions, Mike. I'm not making this easy oh, okay. on you. I apologize. Okay. I'm going to go. My favorite city is going to be L.A. It's obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people say it, L.A., Miami. Um, those oh, yeah. are my top two. And I think it's because I went at a time when it was really cold in Detroit. So just, just, yeah, that's bonus that. points. That's bonus yeah. points. Yeah. So, and they had really good food spots out there um, when I was able to kind of get away for a little bit. Um, I hear Toronto's really cool. I, I hear that's like, Toronto is incredible. Yeah. Toronto is really good. Um, underrated for me, I'll say is Portland. Portland was, just yeah. Beautiful with all the nature scenery it's like the city is just surrounded by just like nature and it, it was really cool um so i'll say portland is definitely underrated but as far as crazy story um who i've met who i've met let me see i know y'all hate the dead air type of thing no you're good i remember with james <laughs> I remember with James when we asked the worst city right away. He's like Sacramento. <laughs> it was just like he had. He definitely has a thing against Sacramento. Um, I love it so much, man. We uh, uh, we our podcast is not known for being Sacramento lovers, but shout out for what they've been doing this year, man. It's been fun yeah, to watch. We gave him credit. We gave yeah. him credit. I'll just go with the first road trip of the year. Um, that was New York. Um. And it was interesting because I had already been to the garden just because I went to a preseason game there. Um, but this time it was different. And I think it was because I was able to meet uh, Walt Frazier and Mike Breen. Oh, wow. That's, that's sweet. It's, oh man. You hear, you hear the stories about Fra um, Frazier and what he did for the Knicks and um, then like his post playing career and the outfits his outfit game is serious. Different, yeah. Um, and then just meet Mike Breen. You hear his voice every time you watch the NBA. Yeah. Um, bang! As the signature <laughs> falls, yeah, yeah. He has a double bang with Steph Curry. Like, oh, uh, bang. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet both of those guys. Both of those gentlemen, <laughs> they were really nice. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that first New York trip. That's Would you give us a least favorite? Yeah, you you snuck on, right try, past worst city right away. there, Mike. That was that was sly of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Um, worst city. M oh. Maybe your worst experience. Maybe not the worst city. You don't have to like call the city yeah. out. the worst experience you've had going to a game. Maybe at a city. Um, I'm from Saginaw, Michigan. I have no problem calling out a worst city. Let's <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do it, Mike. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, there we go. Yeah, we're from the east. Yeah, he's from the east side of the state, man. We want all the smoke. <laughs> no, um, a lot of people say Cleveland. I actually have fun in Cleveland with just being, just walking around the city, just seeing the murals and things of that nature. Milwaukee was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard good things about Milwaukee. I know it's a city that's been changing a lot. I'm gonna say this, and I'm going back by the end of the season, so. Their fan base, please do not beat me up. <laughs> but, um, I didn't get a lot of time in Indianapolis. When I went earlier this season, it was strictly. I was one day in, one day out. Um, I got family in Indy, so I'm pretty aware. Like, I know about the city, but I just didn't have enough opportunity or time to, like, spend time there like I wanted. So. Wait, so your least favorite is somewhere you didn't get to spend time in. Is that your answer, bro? That's, After you just like, like, hey, my, hey, hey, Mike knows exactly what he's doing. To, That's to my Mike's, Hey, Mike is a calculated man. To he he is a smart guy. He's like Indianapolis. I haven't been there. I haven't got to explore it. It's like, I mean, if I mean, hey, I in all fairness, in your first season, I feel like that's pretty fair 
to say because like you haven't because like I feel like with James, like at the very least, he's been to the cities multiple times. You know what I mean? Like this is your this yeah, is your true. first full that's season. True. You know what I mean? Like by by this time next year, I feel like you'll be able to tell us all about your least favorite spot. But I'll Troy, you, where I'll do you live? One city I intentionally skipped this year. There's oh, one okay. city. So you that, there you go. Here's the juice. All right. What's that city? What city? San Antonio. Oh, oh I like it. I like it. Oh. It was at the end of a very long road trip, and it just made sense to cut that city out. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't upset about it. No, there. no, no. But the fun Mike, thing. I live in Indianapolis, so <laughs> I'm he just sorry, he j- he just moved there. We, he, he's not it. he's not emotional. But uh, I I love it. I love it. But um, I know I know it's it's a smaller market, so I I kind of get it. He well, like the crazy thing, like Troy's just lucky because he just gets to go watch. Like he he went and saw the Celtics for ten bucks a ticket like yeah. last week. Really cheap tickets, man. Super. Yeah, cheap. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the Pacers. He can go for like five bucks and see the best players in the world whenever yeah. he wants. It's, it's a good gig. Yeah, one hundred percent. But Mike, my 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 one last last question for you. Like going into you know like going into like the next couple of years and everything that's going on. Like what what aspects are like at, like what gets you the most excited? as a beat writer, you know, like, like following this team and, and like being like in, in this market, in this place. Cause you know, like being from Saginaw, like it's one thing to be a beat writer for an NBA team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like it'd be a little bit different to like, it's a, a whole other thing to be the beat writer for your home team. Like for the team that you grew up, like, you know, like you grew up like an hour away from yeah. what excites you as a beat writer, you know, going into next season and the years to come with this team. I think just being on this journey and kind of being on the same trajectory as this team. Um, This team is very young, um, one of the youngest in the league, and they got a lot of potential. So I think it's, it's a privilege for me to kind of see them start from the ground up and who knows where that will they'll be. Who knows if this rebuild doesn't work, but if it does, we'll be able to see them kind of go from where they were the worst team in the league, second worst um, to a play in team, to a playoff team, to maybe even competing for the NBA title one day. So I think that would be the most rewarding because I'll be able to like tell stories at every juncture of the, of the ride. So um, I I, like, I think I've, I've, I've thought like one day, maybe, Maybe I'll be able to cover the NBA Finals one day. I, I, yeah. that, that's, that's like a goal of mine. I'm not yeah, sure. Same here, it, man. Not sure if it'll be for w- covering the Pistons or covering any other team, but that's definitely a goal of mine. So, yeah, it, it, it'll be pretty cool to see where this team where this team goes. Yeah. Well, Mike, you're you're going to be covering the Finals one day without a doubt, whether it's with the Pistons or or with another team, because you're you're just an insanely talented guy, man. Just with your writing and the way that you tell stories, you're your voice and your passion, it comes through each and every article. And I just seriously, man, like as a, you know, as someone that reads your work, but also as someone that, you know, um, you know, even though I, you know, I try to cover the team myself, you know, there's only to a certain extent that I can. So, you know, just, I just want to say on behalf of fans, man, just thank you for all the work that you put in the extra hours that, you know, the nights that the nights that you come home late and, and are, are sleepless, the plane rides that are long and strenuous, just, Thanks for putting in the work, man, because it, it makes it makes following the team much more enjoyable. And I'm just as as not only, you know, as as a as now as a fan and follower of yours, but, you know, someone that, you know, considers you a friend. I'm just insanely inside, excited for you, man. Seriously. Yeah. Amen. I appreciate you guys, too, for always just giving me the platform. It's always fun coming on here, having a little having a little time to talk about the Pistons, joke around a little bit. Um, no, I truly appreciate the support. Yeah, you're you're a great dude, Mike. Seriously, you've always been super nice to me since day one. So I can't thank you enough for that. But I can't thank each and every one of you enough for listening and tuning in to From Half Court each and every week, where we talk all things Detroit Pistons and NBA basketball. If you like this pod, be sure you like the video, subscribe down below. But also, be sure you consider and go follow my guy Mike on Twitter at Mike A Curtis too. Go check out his work at at the Detroit News as well. Also, be sure you follow my guys, Jeff at Jeff Iafrady and my guy, Troy at Troy Sergey 44. And if you're feeling generous enough, you can even follow myself at Sean Halfcourt. But that 
is going to do it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you guys next time from Half Court. Make sure you subscribe.